0: Hi everyone, Um, uh, thanks for inviting me to speak tonight. Uh, My understanding is that this is a kind of newcomer focused meeting and then also whenever I speak, I really try to speak to the newcomer because you never know. Um, Some stats for me is uh, I am, This is my 25th year in OA and my 30th year in recovery. I don't want to focus too much on the weight only because if all I got out of OA was weight loss, I would have left. I wouldn't have had any reason to stay. So, and also sometimes I think we put too much. Uh, credit or focus or indication that your weight loss has somehow improved your life like that's not actually always true some people in my experience they spend a long time doing internal work before in program before they're ready to feel safe enough to drop the weight so that's why um, You know, I'm kind of hesitant to use that as any sort of like marker of success, not to mention that very early in recovery, there was someone in our fellowship in San Francisco who had lost a ton of weight and was anorexic and no one said anything. So again, we I personally feel like we have to be careful about how we hold weight loss in this uh, program. I I kind of like to start with a bit of a, again, with the newcomer. I am speaking about my experience and how my eating disorder has affected me, how my eating disorder manifests, and the ways that the program gave me the support and tools that I needed so that I could no longer use food to emotionally regulate Um, that I actually could start to trust and use connection and people to do that. And the analogy that I like to use is if we were all at an orientation for a really good, broad art school. We all got in, like music, painting, art, dance, one big, huge school. So when you hear a presenter, like I may be, I don't know, quilter, I'm not, but you know, and you're a musician and so, you know, you're like, oh, that doesn't, it doesn't make me right or wrong and it doesn't make you right or wrong. You start to find like, like, you know, you'll listen to speakers and just be like, oh, I'm resonating with that. And Anne Lamont, who's in um, program two, she calls that the church of me too like oh me too that happened to me too or yeah me too i feel like that and i love that so i want just that kind of caveat um i was a normal um kid uh, or a normal sized kid uh tomboy absolutely into sugar however what kid isn't i mean by bio- i found out later like biologically kids are sort of designed to want sugar because of the energy thing and what happened for me is puberty happened. And um, I had reasons not to feel safe in the world. And all of a sudden, I felt like all the rules were changing. Like I was a tomboy. And now all of a sudden, the rooms changed to like a boy-girl thing. And you know, so-and-so going with someone. And first kisses and all of that shit. And not only was I not ready for that. Um, but I also, I had reasons to be very afraid of that. And so in one semester in junior high, I gained 60 pounds. I was like, and only in hindsight, do I understand my story. And one of the assignments that I was given was to do a timeline and Uh, Initially, it was supposed to be about food and body image and and everything, but because uh, OA was like my fifth program or whatever, um, I knew of other things. Um, My first program is Adult Children of Alcoholics, Um, and then Al-Anon, and yeah, and then OA. Those are the big ones. I kind of visited other ones for skills, which are very useful, but those are the big ones. So um, when I did my timeline, I realized that I'm an escape artist, and I can do that alone in a room with nothing. So that was really helpful for me To do that exercise of timeline because what it did was when there were periods that I wasn't in the food, I was smart enough and knew too much to go, well, what was I doing? You know what I mean? Like, so what was it? And then it would be like I was reading fantasy novels like one a day. I was sitting for hours in front of, you know, TV. So I was able to go, like, oh, the periods that I wasn't acting out my eating disorder, I just, you know, I just did musical chairs to something else. So that really helped me see that there was a through line. Um, And then I came into program. I want to keep this short because I just want to get to other stuff. I came into program. My experience in program is that... uh, I lost 10 pounds every two years, which was not fun, okay? And in what, what I understand now is that it's almost like every bite of food that I took, that I was taking not for nutrition, but for some sort of emotional reason, it's like it was stored in my body And I couldn't release it until I had taken the pause button off those feelings and processed them. And this is again a metaphor, but this is what it was like. It was like in my case, I know people who came in, lost all the weight and then did the work. I know people who came in did all the work, didn't lose any weight, and then it all kind of like. But mine was 10 pounds every two years, and I was really frustrated. But every, but I wouldn't lose any more until I got to a place of like, if I'm just here, I can be happy just here. And you can't fake that feeling. You can't like fake to yourself that you're okay if you just stay this size i had to get to a place of self-love that i could love myself without attaching a number to it and that was that was a challenge but it's just what happened the other thing is is that i have a lot of causes and conditions around why i needed to carry a lot of weight and so for me i'm what You know, sometimes we call heavy hitters, which is like I had a lot of trauma and I had a lot of PTSD, and I had to do that work so that I could feel safer in a smaller body. Um, And so that was another reason why, in my instance, in my experience, my story, the weight came off kind of slowly, but it did come off. And then also, uh, yeah, it came off. And, you know, shopping, all of that. And I've had two major relapses in program. I've never left program. And both of them, they were, it was my PTSD. And so with each one, I had to dig deeper into my emotional and mental health issues. And 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 because of the relapse, that's what kind of forced me to do that work. Because whatever fear I had about uncovering stuff or talking about it, the hell of the eating disorder was like, I will do that instead. And the, you know, the relapse was because I was so afraid of it, but I had been abstinent for so long, I forgot the hell of being in the food. And so I broke my abstinence without understanding, like, oh my God, it's true. Your disease is doing pushups while you're in the room. I didn't go back to seven years before. I went to a place so low that I didn't know I could get there. And so fortunately, because I was in the rooms, Active had a sponsor and everything like that, I think, My first relapse lasted like, I think a week. Um, And then my second one, I think it lasted like a day. Like I I just had zero tolerance for this. I knew too much. And it's so true that recovery ruins your addiction. So there's a little bit of a story there. Now, um, I didn't want to get into a total narrative because, It's 25 years, all of this stuff, everything. It's just too much to try to do in 20 minutes. So I'd rather kind of do like a patchwork quilt and be like, okay, that's what it was like, whatever. I like to answer the question, why am I still in 12-step? Because there are other modalities out there. And and so I want to, you know, switch to that pamphlet and just be like, Nicole, why are you still in 12-step? I'll tell you a couple of reasons. First of all, why did I stay? Uh, walking into a room. So again, uh, it's I'm not the same person that I was coming in. When I came in, I had uh, a lot of arrogance. I was very angry. I had a big chip on my shoulder and I didn't trust anybody. And so for me to come into any sort of you know self-help anything and the uh tradition three i think it, you know which is basically you're a member if you say you're a member and no one has any power to kick you out that was crucial for me that there was no one who could decide that they didn't like me and i had to go or they could no one had that kind of authority and having that full autonomy definitely was crucial. If it had been something different, I wouldn't have stayed. Uh, the other thing is, is that I was very lucky. Um, and part of the reason why I was able to come in, I came into recovery at 23, 12 step at 23. And why I was able to do that that young is because I, I came into it in the Bay Area. And in the Bay Area, there was a lot of agnostic, I didn't know they were called this, but they were called, like, now they're called, like, agnostic meetings or something. And no one used, in the meetings that I went to, no one used the word God. Everyone used the word higher power. It was just higher power. I didn't even know God was part of 12-step until, like, I don't know, like, six years in or something, like. I went to an open AA meeting for my sugar addiction, and I was like, are they allowed to say that? I mean, it was hilarious. So, but the idea being that, not only was the the meetings that I went to, were they so welcoming and inclusive, but you didn't even have to believe in anything. Like, no one was proselytizing, I suppose is what I can say. No one was telling me what I had to believe in, who I had to, nothing. And so again, those were two things that if it had been something different, I would not have stayed. Um, that would have definitely made me turn around and leave. So why am I still here? Well, I'm not an idiot. I can assure you guys that. So I'm still here because it keeps working. And I keep getting more out of it. And you know, I could say that I'm here because, oh, I have an eating disorder, and so I'm sort of sentenced to 12-step for the rest of my life. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. There are other modalities out there. Some people leave 12-step, and they do fine. And that's great. They can do that. I'm here because it just keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. And because of the traditions... Um, there, nothing has happened that has made me no longer believe in the 12-step process of recovery. Because the 12-step process of recovery is basically, um, I have a, an impulse or I have an effect of soothing myself growing up by reaching for a substance and eating that substance. And then I have shame about that, and then I act out that shame, and I act out the shame, I discharge it on you, and I discharge it on me. And in 12-step, I get to undo that. And the other reason with 12-step is, unlike group therapy sessions, like, there are very clear tools and motivation and ways to move forward. I I love being a sponsor because it's like, it's not like people say therapist, I'm like no, no. As a matter of fact, I will say right off the bat to someone I'm starting to sponsor, I am not a free therapist. So I will give you things that you need to do. This is a program of action. You know, and so you do those things, and then we meet and we talk about what you learned about yourself and what kind of connections you're making. So, the other thing, I'm tracking the time. So, the other thing with why I'm in 12 step aside from there's no sort of authority to to kick me out, no one's telling me what my spiritual beliefs are, are should be. Yet, it's a spiritual program. And I I sponsor, you know, technically I'm an atheist. I sponsor atheists. I sponsored atheists, Jews, Muslims, Christians, pagans, Buddhists, all of it. There's room for everyone. It's that you believe in something. So when I worked with my atheist sponsee, I was like, well, we know you believe in something. What do you believe in? And I was able to say to her, I believe in love so my higher power is love and then because of that every day I try to practice what does love look like in this situation so I can ask myself that question now my ability to act that way is completely based on the work that I've done with the 12 steps and everything I have learned from the 12 traditions so they say that You know, the steps prevent us from committing suicide and the traditions prevent us from committing homicide. But the point is, is that because of the traditions and my involvement in meetings, service at the meeting level, service at the intergroup level, service at the region level, I have learned how to have safe relationships and how not to run with scissors. I always make the joke like I run with scissors and so do all my friends. Now, here's the thing. I haven't become someone who doesn't want to run with scissors. I'm just like, that's a great idea. I've become someone who, you know, buys safer scissors and maybe will call someone and be like, what do you think of this? So I want to finish up because I want to stay. And I don't know what else to say other than it is absolutely true that I have a life beyond My wildest dreams. And if I went back to 1993 or 1998 and I met my younger self and she was like, you know, what's the future like? Is it worth it? I'd be like, yeah, but I got to tell you, all of the gifts that we get are nothing that you have the ability to even imagine right now. Like you're imagining like these trophy things. It's We are going to have a life on the inside that you can't actually imagine because you're so wounded and full of shame that it's beyond your ability to imagine. But I promise you, we will get here. So thanks for letting me share.